Well, how many of you are happy tonight? The Bible says, happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Amen. We got to be a happy people. There's no reason not to be. We got the best of everything. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm open. I'm teachable. And I'm subject to change. Is it a possibility that you don't know it all? Is it a possibility that I don't know it all? You know, out of the 41 years of pastoring, not just pastoring, but being a Christian uh, for 54 years, uh, listen, I'm telling you, I, I think I'm just getting started. We have, we have, there is such an exhaustive amount of what God has for us. And we're just touching on the surface. Now, this church, I'm telling you, we're coming from the outside. We've only been here not quite two years, but we're coming from the outside looking in. And I'm telling you, there are pockets of the Spirit of God throughout this earth. And Crowley is one of them. There's a pocket of anointing that God is doing. And he's trying to get us to step up because, listen, uh, we're headed for 2023, 2,000 people. But I want you to know something. Once the Spirit of God begins to move in the dimension that he does, it's, it's such a perpetual flow of what God does. We have to be prepared to receive that amount of people, but I don't think we're going to be limited to that amount of people. Because once it gets to a certain point, you just can't stop it. It just keeps on, keeps on, keeps on, keeps on. And so you need to get yourself prepared, but we got to act like we're ministering to 2,000 people now, that we're servicing that amount of people now. We have to be prepared to handle that kind of growth because that's the kind of growth and plus what God's going to do. Because this is the season. This is the time. Time is short. It is short. We're at least one day closer. Right? But it is short. And the sound is going to happen. And there's a generation that's supposed to be alert to that time. And we just happen to be in that season and that generation. We need to be prepared. Well, we're back to basics. That's a good thing. We're back to basics. So this is my prayer for you. It comes right out of Ephesians chapter number one. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of his calling And what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? I believe that our father of this ministry here has talked about the power of God. The working of miracles and and signs, marvels, extraordinary manifestations of the greatness of our God and beyond. 
and beyond. Those of you that are remember all of the toy story things, Buzz Lightyear used to say this, didn't he? You know, all the way into affinity, infinity and beyond. You and I need to think that big because that's what God is doing. Righteousness is a part of something that Jesus purposed it through his life for you and I so that we could enjoy the fullness of the Godhead bodily. It's not something that you work at. It's not something that you can achieve in your own ability. This is something that he did for you. You just have to accept it. You have to believe and receive. Say, I'm a believer. Therefore, I'm a receiver. I'm a, not a doubter or a do-withouter. I'm a believer, not a re- I'm a believer and a receiver. I'm not a doubter and a do-withouter. I believe, therefore, I receive everything that he says is rightfully mine. Whether I understand it, have a full revelation on it or not, if it's written in God's word, it is yours, it is mine. Righteousness is something that Jesus did for you and for me so that we could enjoy the full benefits of what God has done. The definition uh, in the uh, in the Greek for uh, righteous or righteousness is simply this. It's four basic words. Innocent. I'm innocent. I am holy. I am just or justified. And I am right or righteous. Those four things. The Vines Expository says it this way. The character or quality of being right or just. That's what righteousness is. That's what Jesus did for you. He made everything right. He justified everything with his blood. There is not one thing that you and I deal with in life that Jesus has not already taken care of. Not one thing. You can't think of one thing that Jesus did not accomplish for you and for me. Now, in Isaiah chapter four, uh, 64 and verse 6, this is what the Old Covenant says about your righteousness. It says, but we are all as un, an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. Doesn't sound very encouraging, does it? What he's, what he's saying to us here. And when you come into a new covenant relationship, Jesus took care of all of that that filthy rag stuff. He took care of it once and for all, just as if you had never sinned. How many of you believe he forgave you of past, present, and future? All of that wrapped up in one. Why do we have such a problem dealing with sin? When we've been set free from it. If you go into the book of Romans and you read, you'll find out that we're not in bondage to sin anymore. He freed us from the nature of sin. In order to have sin, you have to have an eye. You take the eye out, you don't have sin. All you have is S-N. 
So I has been the problem, and Jesus resolved it. He resolved it, and he called it righteousness. I am righteous because he made me to be that way. Not because I made me to be that way, or you made me to be that way, or I attended enough services to be that way, or I gave enough money to be able to be called righteous. I'm righteous because he made me to be righteous. He took my place in order that you and I could enjoy the full benefits of what God is and how he operates. We've been made in the image and the likeness of God. He put himself in us. How many of you know that he was there at your birth? How many of you know that he was there at your consummation of you coming into your mother's womb? How many of you know he had his hand in and helping to form you and to fashion you? How many of you know he put himself in you? All you had to do is once you got a clue that you can't do this on your own, and you begin to resolve the fact that you need something greater than yourself, then you begin to hear, you begin to open up yourself to become teachable so that you could hear, so that you could change. So your life and my life has been hid now in Christ. How many Christians do I have in here tonight? You're a Christian. Lift your hand real high. I want to see it. Because if you're not, I want to pray for you real quick. There's no reason for you to wait. Today is the day. The moment is the the time for salvation. But praise God. We're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, Romans chapter number 10 and verse number 2. We have several scriptures that we're going to talk about. These are basic things to help you and I to understand about righteousness. 10, verse number 2 through uh, verse 10. It says, For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Now, what were they doing? They were trying to be religious enough to be able to appease the will of God in their life. They tried to attend as many things as they could. They tried to dress. They tried to meet all the ordinances and all of the things that were set up by mankind to fulfill. Whenever that is not what God came to do. That's not what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to set up a pathway or a way. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Another, uh, another word for that, if you get into to the, the original Greek, it says, I came to prepare a way for you. Yeah. Yeah. A way. I I came to prepare a way for you. How many of you know you're the mansion? It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. You're the temple and you house God himself. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So the greater one inside of you is the one that's going to help you to get to your determined destination. How many of you know the Holy Spirit of God has been given to you for the purpose of taking you to your determined destination? How many of you know it's the Spirit that's going to usher you out of here when it comes time? How many, how many of you uh, are, are, are planning for the rapture? 
How many of you are, uh, how, how many of you are, you know, actively involved doing something about it? How many of you do rapture drills? <laughs> Anybody know what rapture drills are? <laughs> We're practicing for takeoff. In a moment, the twinkling of an eye. We'll be caught up together to meet the Lord. We got to pray. If if you really believe in something, then you start preparing for it. Amen. All of you, all of you women that have had children, did you not make preparation? Sure, you did. You prepared for that baby. You prepared while it was still in your womb. You got you got your room already. You got clothes. You got all kinds of things. You had baby showers, and they brought you all kinds of gifts and things in preparation for that special little child that was going to come on the scene that was God-breathed. Well, if we're really excited about what Jesus is about to do, we have to, by the eye of faith, begin to reach out and start acting like it is already happening. In our life. We call those things that be not as though they are, right? And in some cases, we call those things that be not as though they were. By his stripes, I am. I am healed. And First Peter says, by his stripes, we were healed. How many of you know he's not healing anybody anymore? I think I said that last time. He's not healing anybody anymore. He's not dying for anybody anymore. He's not spilling his blood anymore. He's already finished his work. What we do is we appropriate. Everybody say appropriate. We appropriate what's already done. We appropriate it into our life. We make it a part of us. Whenever we pray and say that God give us the wisdom and the revelation. You know, in Matthew chapter 16, he told Peter, when Peter spoke back and he said to him, he said, who do you say that I am? He said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, you didn't get that by natural understanding. That came from another source of supply. He said, my father gave you that information. That's called revelation. Revelation is a spirit-taught truth. A spirit. I am spirit. I possess a soul. And I live in uh, this shell called a body. God is spirit. He communicates with spirit. Satan is a spirit, but he doesn't understand spiritual matters. So he communicates to the soul. There was someone that was talking one day, and they were talking to their pastor. This pastor, full of wisdom, he said, Pastor, man, the devil is just talking to me all the time. It's like he sits up on my shoulder. And he just whispers in my ear all the time. And the pastor said, he sits upon your shoulder. And he whispers in your ear. He said, yeah. He said, well, thump him off. (laughs) If he's that small, thump him off. 
Why listen to something that you have no business listening to? God didn't call me to listen to the things that the devil has to say. All he is is the father of lies. You know, when I, when I got born again, the devil started telling me I was lost. He never told me I was lost when I was lost. Never. He only told me I was lost when I got born again. Because I wasn't doing everything right yet. I, was still, I still had some habits of the flesh. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I was raised in a, in a home that had alcohol and drugs and that sort of thing in it. But, you know, and whenever I would try to witness with my dad, the only way I could witness with my dad was to sit down and drink with him because he couldn't communicate, wouldn't communicate otherwise. But you get him high, people uh, have a tendency to kind of let their hair down and let it all come out. So I would sit there and do the same thing he was doing. I'd smoke my cigarettes and drink my beer. I'm a Christian. I go to church occasionally. I'm not a real sold out one, but I had enough sense. I knew I was born again. I knew I was different in life, and I wanted my dad to know about it. And so I sat there, and I did that, and I never will forget this. Listen, God can use jackasses. Excuse me. He can use donkeys. My dad was a donkey. But out of his mouth, one day, he looked at me, and he said, Philip, he said, you say you're a Christian. He said, if you're a Christian, Christians don't act like the way you're acting. You're doing the same thing I'm doing. I know I'm not a Christian, but you say you are a Christian. He said, all I see is your hand going to your mouth and the bottle going to your lips. That's all I see. I don't hear a thing you have to say. See, we can create stumbling blocks in our ignorance because we don't understand. Even back then, when I first got born again, I was the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I didn't understand that. Nobody had told me that, but that didn't change the fact that that's who I was. I am the righteousness of God. Well, that's what he is saying here. He said this righteousness is not coming by our own means or our own efforts. When I used to go out, when I used to go out and minister in Houston, Texas, when we lived in in Houston, that's where we first got our teeth really going underneath Brother Osteen and and, uh, many, many more, Brother Hagen and those different ones. I remember, uh, Pastor Diane and I remember, uh, going to Pastor John's and Doty's church, they only had 150 people. They just had a major church split. Just built the, the reason they had a church split is because they built the building. And the people got mad because they built a new building. What are we talking about doing? Building a new building. Watch it. Watch it. We need to be on the same page. In the same book. Right? So, anyway, I, I just remember going and, and seeing the, the things that God was doing. And, and Brother Hagen came there. It was his first time to be there. And they filled the place up. Filled the place up. From that point till 
John went on to be with the Lord, it just grew, 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 and grew. Because the word of faith that was established in that place produced the kind of results that was needful for the Houston area. And now his son is taking it to another level. In even a higher level than that level. Now, I don't necessarily agree with everything that is said and everything that is done. But I will tell you this much. Until you and I start doing exactly what he is doing, getting the kind of results that he is getting, we need to keep our mouths off of them. Touch not God's anointing. Amen. Do his prophets no harm. Don't touch them. Don't touch your pastor. You got good pastors. I tell him all the time, you guys are doing a great job. I don't care if I have pastored 41 years. You guys are doing things I never accomplished in 41 years of ministry. And thank God for you. I will never forget the first thing, one of the first things you said to me when, you, when we finally met and everything else. You said to me, you have 41 years of experience. He says, I don't know what to do with you. But the truth of the matter is, it's, it's not so much the longevity. God said in the last day that he would increase the speed of everything. Yeah. Your pastor has excelled in the 10, ten years that he has pastored. That's not, he, he's, he's excelled. If you sit here Sunday after Sunday, you cannot sit back and say, we're going to a different level. The Spirit of God is moving in this house. If you're not moving with the Spirit, something wrong with your wood. Your wood's wet. You need to get it, fine-tune it. Get it back into what God wants. Let's go on with this scripture. He said, For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by righteousness which is of the law. That the man which doeth those things, whoop, I said that again, didn't I? Shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is, to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is, to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thine heart. That is, the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with the mouth of the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be sozoed. Thou shalt be saved. You shall be sozoed. The life of God. Spirit, soul, body, and domestic. Everything has already been taken care of. That is what righteousness is. You didn't earn it. He's already secured it. You can't do anything about it other than to believe and receive. Believe and receive it. I was just talking to someone the other day. We just gave them a, a love offering. And they said to me, we're not uh, accustomed to receiving. I said, why? 
I said, the Bible says, give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, shall he cause men to give back into your bosom. We have to learn to receive everything that he has already purchased for us by faith. Hebrews 11.6 says what? Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So the key is us being diligent about seeking who he is and gaining what we have the right to possess. I loved what uh, Dr. Savell said when he was here last week. He said, he said, I'm no different than you. No different. He said, the only difference might be, if it's in the Bible, I just happen to believe that it's mine. If he didn't want it to happen for me, he shouldn't have put it in there. And that is probably the only difference that there is between our success and his success. Is he just happens to believe what God said. And that's, you're in my position. That's what righteousness is all about. How many of you believe that Jesus really died for you? He really poured out his blood. You didn't see it, but yet you believe it. That's called faith. You believe in something that you cannot see and you did not see. And you reached out and you have received that into your life and you've embraced that. Well, why not go ahead and embrace everything else that he said concerning us? He says that we're righteous. We should say that we're righteous. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am full of his faith. I am full of his healing. I am full of his love and his peace and his joy, his temperance, his meekness, his long-suffering, his gentleness, his kindness, and his mercy, and his faithfulness. I'm full of all of that, aren't you? Because the greater one dwells on the inside of me. He said, if you be Christ, then you are what? Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. He also said, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, he shall quicken your mortal body. Did you know that your mortal body is going to put on immortality? You're going to be changed. Did you know that Jesus was changed? Did you know that Jesus went from death unto life? He reversed the order of Adam. Adam went from life unto death. He reversed the order. He had to do that in order for redemption to take place. Jesus came to redeem mankind from all of the pangs of what took place in the garden that day. One event... One moment in time, one disobedience came upon all humanity. And because of that, we were conceived in sin, but God was present. And he still put himself into you. And all he's doing is quickening it and making it alive as you get revelation knowledge and I get revelation knowledge and who he says that I am. I am who he says I am. I can do what he says I can do. Amen? And I can possess what he says I can possess. 
in my life, and so can you. So he's finalized everything. He said, which we preach. He says, you have to confess it with your mouth and believe in your heart. Salvation requires two things. An act of confession, which is spurred on by what you believe. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. What you truly believe is real. How many of you know he's, he said in, in uh, Mark, he said, Whosoever shall say unto the mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and not doubt in his heart, but believeth those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. My question to you is, is what do you receive? You can answer. What do you receive? What you believe you receive. Not what you pray. But what you believe. What you pray and believe you receive. You can have it. Because that's what his word says. Because you're going to pray what the word says. Concerning your life. Correct? Isn't it your right to be healed? Well if the enemy has come against your body. Don't you have every right to pray? Take a stand. Pull the word of God and make it applicable to your life. You can appropriate that word right into your being. Because truth of the matter is, is greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. It's already there, ready to function. All you got to do is appropriate it. Pull it up. Put the devil on the run. Tell him where he belongs. He doesn't belong in your body. He belongs under your feet. Amen? Tell him to get off of your eyes, get off of your, your legs, get off of your arms, get off of whatever. He doesn't have a right to be there. He's invading God's turf. The only place he deserves to be is under your feet. And, you know, some ministers write on the bottom of their feet the word of God just to remind him who they are. Anyway, I was telling you, we... We went to Houston, and we lived outside of Houston, but I used to, I heard that there was a, a place where you can go and share the gospel, you know, to evangelize and everything else. And so, man, I was, I was afraid to go out there. I didn't know if I had enough in me to say enough and, and everything else, but I finally got the courage, and I went down to the downtown Houston. Now, you may not know this, but downtown Houston is a hellhole. I mean, everything that you can possibly think of is there. I mean, everything. I mean, all of the, uh, the gurus and, and, I mean, you name it. They're, they are down there. Prostitutes line up one side and, and, and other side and everything else. And there's, uh, you know, you're supposed to be in the, in, excuse me, there, there's a place where the buses come from the prisons and they dump them right there. They dump them out. Right there. 
And so you have a host of people to talk to. I mean, really. I mean, they're sitting on the side, and I used to carry these little New Testament, uh, soul winners New Testaments. They were just enough to fit in your pocket. I don't know if you can get those now or not, but it was a little soul winners New Testament, and I'd have them in my pocket. And I'd go and I'd pull it out, and it would have the Romans road. So I'd just follow the pages until you go to the next page. Next page, next page. Romans, you know, 3 3. Romans 3 6. Just go right down and share the, the salvation message and everything else. So I, I was doing that because that's what I heard them say to do from the pulpit. So that's what I did. So finally, I got to one guy. He's a Satan worshiper. And he had his Bible, the Satan Bible. And so I started talking to him, and I asked him if he was a Christian. He said, no, I'll never be a Christian. He says, you Christians are a bunch of phonies. He says, you don't know anything that you really believe. He said, I'll tell you something. I know what I believe. He pulled out his Satan Bible, and he said, Satan did this, and Satan did this. I mean, he just flipped his pages. He said, this is why I believe. He said, I know what I believe. He said, now tell me what you believe. And I stammered and I stuttered. And he said, just as I thought, you don't even know what you believe. I said, but it says right here in Romans 3, 3, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. He said, let me see that. He took it. He says, you just going by the pages. He says, there's the numbers that's telling you the next page you go to. I said, yeah, that's true. See, I didn't know. I was, I was born again, and I think we had just been spirit-filled. I'd have never gone out on the streets if I wasn't spirit-filled. <laughs> and so I left that place stripped and naked. And bruised and battered. My, my spiritual man was really tattered and torn. I was ashamed of myself because I didn't take the time to find out what I needed to find out to really be on fire and burning with the Spirit. So I went home and I said, I will not go out again and witness until I know who I am. Now, the next time that I went, I knew who I was. I knew what the Word said. And I knew how to help somebody to get out of their avenues of life. I started going down the the streets where the prostitutes were hanging out the windows and the doors and everything else. And they're calling you to come in and and so forth. And a, a guy chased me down and he says, you don't go down these streets. They'll kill you down here. I said, well, to be the absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Some would say, well, that was foolishness. Well, it was the foolish things that confounded the wise. You know, I went down that street, began to witness and to share because I finally found out who I was. 
in Christ Jesus. And I wasn't there in my own strength or my own ability. The Holy Ghost was leading me where I was going. So I knew I had angels encamped around about me to protect me in all of my going. He had my back. And he had my front. And he had my sides. I might have been by myself, but there were angels completely in garrison around about me to protect me. And I knew that. And you know what? People got born again. God is good. He'll always take care of you. First place I preached was at Freddie Gage. I don't know if you know who Freddie Gage was. Freddie Gage was a, an evangelist. And he had a, a, a ministry in Houston, downtown Houston, called Pulpit in the Shadows. The first place I ever preached in my life was Pulpit in the Shadows. And in that place was drug addicts and, you know, uh, homosexuals. Uh, this was a, a men's place. And they asked me to come and preach. And I went to preach there, and the place was so jam-packed with people. They had come from everywhere, buses, loads of buses. We had to go outside. I preached outside. And they were just everywhere around me, just waiting for something to happen. And I preached on on uh, John 3, 3, except, you know, you be born again. And after I preached and everything else, I gave an altar call. And nobody came. I bowed my head. And I said, Lord, everybody here needs to be saved. Everybody. And I looked up and one man came walking towards me. He said, if what you say is true, he said, I want to give my heart to Jesus. He said, I came here. And after I came here, I was going to determine whether I was going to take my life or not. He said, I want to give you the razor blades that I was going to take my life with. He gave me the razor blades, put them in my hand. And I started praying for him. And the next thing, I opened up my eyes, and the altar was packed with people, just packed with people. It only takes one to get the fire going. Had a great success that night because of God's grace and God's mercy upon our lives. Amen. Go with me, if you would, in your Bibles to Galatians chapter number 2 and verse number 21. I want to make this statement to you while we go there. You ought to write this down. The Lord never considers our past to determine our future. Never. The only person that ever considers our past is us. Many graves are filled with talents, giftings, and callings that never came to fruition because the enemy whipped them with sin consciousness. They just couldn't get beyond where they came from. But God has set us free. That's what righteousness is all about. How many of you know that he's put your sin as far as the east is from the west? 
never to be remembered anymore. Well, listen, if he put it that far away, why can't we? Why do we even bring it up? He doesn't remember it. We can't say, Lord, do you remember when I did such and such? He says, no. When did you do that? You've been washed in the blood. I don't remember anything like that. When did you do something like that? He doesn't remember it. Well, if he doesn't remember it, how much more should you not remember it? Just let it go. It'll just dog you. And you'll never fulfill the giftings and the callings that God has in your life. Because you won't ever think that you're worthy enough to take that stand. It's not you. It's he that indwells you. That's what the righteousness is all about. If, as I listened to Pastor Justin and his testimony of where he came from, if he hadn't let that go, he'd still be bound by it. He wouldn't be pastoring. He may be serving in a church, but he wouldn't be pastoring because he wouldn't feel like he could ever occupy that post. Because that post has a demand upon it. To be a pastor has a, uh, has a demand, but being a Christian also has the same demand. Whether you stand behind a pulpit and preach or not. Those are giftings that God has given to men and to women to fulfill their life. They're destined for that. But that doorkeeper is just as important and just as anointed by the Spirit of God to be able to accomplish the same thing. Can you say amen? So he said, I do, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. If we're going to go back to the letter of the law and judge ourselves based upon ourselves and our activities, whenever we've come to the Lord and said, Lord, forgive us, either he forgave us and his word is true or he didn't and he's a liar. But he's not a liar. He gave us the truth. The only liar that we know of is the devil. The thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy, to take away from you your giftings, your anointings, your callings, so that you'll not utilize them for the glory of God. We need all activity of all giftings, all talents and abilities on alert, prepared and ready to do service in the house of the Lord. Don't be just a pew sitter. Amen. Get involved, get active, do something that God has called you to do. Sometimes doing something leads into what God wants you to ultimately do do for him. Amen. That's what righteousness does for you. Galatians 3 and 21. He said, is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had... uh, had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have uh, been by the law. But it wasn't. It was by faith. How many of you know that Jesus came with the intent to fulfill what his father sent him to do? That's the reason pastor says the most important thing that we do is to fulfill, you know, the demands and the callings and the giftings that are in our lives. There's a demand on us 
to do that. There's also an anointing on us to carry all those things out, to fulfill them. We're doing a great job, but we can always do better. We can go into excellence, which is even higher than what we are doing in the natural. Just, we don't want to just barely get by. We want to exceed and go beyond. Jesus didn't just barely get by. Everything Jesus did was exceedingly abundantly and above. That's the way God works, exceedingly abundantly and above. All that we can ask or think. And I can ask big and so can you. And I can think big. <coughs> Christ earned righteousness for us. And it isn't something that we can do or earn for ourselves. It is so neat it's so cool that once we realize and we, we get a revelation, I can't do this. I can't do it. But he can. And that's what he wants. That's when he says, okay, now I can work through you. You're a vessel fit for the master's use. You're the conduit. How many of you know water will never get to its determined destination without a hose or some type of a system, a pumping system or something that will get it to its determined destination? So the hose is the facilitator, but the water is what they need. How many of you know Jesus is what they need? You're the facilitator, and all you got to do is let the wells that are on the inside of you gush forth out of you, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth is going to begin to speak. God will give you what to say at the time that you need to say it. Go with me, if you would, real quickly to Genesis. We didn't get very far, but hopefully this has blessed you. Genesis chapter number 3. You all know this story. This is where it all begins. You have to see this to understand and know where you come from. How many of you know that sin, if I, if I do something wrong, it doesn't just affect me. It affects everybody connected to me. I, as a pastor, it affects the church that I'm involved in. If I do something wrong, it will affect you. In your life, what Adam and Miss Adam did this day affected the entire world. And here's what happened. It says, now the serpent was more subtle than all the beasts of the field which God, the Lord God had made. Notice God had made him. And he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said, you shall not eat every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, you, uh, we may eat of the uh, fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day that you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall uh, be as God's knowing good and evil." And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, 
She took of the fruit thereof and did eat. And she gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Now, we've blamed the woman for a long time, and she did make a big mistake. But the man was right there listening to everything that was going on, and he did nothing about it. You know why? Because it would look good to eat and to make one wise. He got caught up in himself, and he forgot who he was. He had a perfect relationship with God. He was a perfect human being, and so was she. They had no flaws until they made a choice. How many of you know that every angel in heaven had a choice to either stay or leave? So they had a choice. So they had a will. And God created you and I a little higher than the angels in his own image and in his own likeness. You know the rest of the story, but we're going to read it. So they both ate, right? And the eyes of them both were opened. Well, I thought their eyes were already opened. So what eyes opened up? It was their spiritual eyes. You are spirit, you possess a soul, and you live in a body. Your spirit has eyes, your soul has eyes, and your natural body has eyes. You possess a body, you you live in this body. The real you is inside here. And it has life-giving flow, God's flow. We have a different DNA today than what we had when we came into this natural life. We have the DNA of God himself. That's the reason he can say to us, greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. So his, the, and the eyes of them both were open and they knew. Uh, I didn't finish that, did I? Yeah, yeah, I did. Verse 7. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking, or of God, walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam, and he said unto him, he said, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid. First time fear has ever shown up on the planet called Earth. An absolute negative force, and it opposes faith. And the man said, the woman, verse number 12, and the man said, the woman which thou gavest to me, with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent, the blame game starts. 
It hasn't stopped. It's still going today. We still blame people because we don't succeed in life. We're blaming this one and that one. I can't tell you the number of times I've heard people say, you know, uh, you know, Brother Copeland, Dr. Savell, I mean, we can just go down the list. You know, why does God favor them? He doesn't. Does no respecter of person. They just happen to pay the price and pray the price to get to their determined destination. Thank God they have. Amen. Because we can learn if we'll listen. Well, they talk about money all the time. If we listen to your conversations, you're talking about it too, but you're talking about the lack of it. We talk about our bosses. We talk about our jobs. We talk about this. We talk about that. But we're talking about it. We're just not talking about it in the positive. Thank God we've got somebody that God has blessed and they can talk about it because they can see that it's for everybody. If we're willing to walk in righteousness. You think about it. Heaven has got to be an awesome place. Amen? Streets of solid gold. The gates are made out of pearls. Man, that's one big oyster. It's a solid pearl for each gate. The walls are made out of all kinds of jewels. If you go back and you read the temple that God had erected, how many of you know they used the finest of everything? They inlaid things with gold. I mean, God's not cheap. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns all the hills. He owns all the cities. The earth is his and the fullness thereof. I mean, it all belongs to him and he just wants to share it with you. That's part of righteousness. People want to see that we're prosperous. They want to see that we're healed. They want to see that we're victorious, that we're a singing church. We're an exciting church. We're a people that enjoy the fellowship and the friendship of the saints of God. I want to finish with this. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and the dust uh, shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between uh, thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. And it shall bruise thy head, um, head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman he said... I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy, thy conception is sorrow. Thou shalt bring forth children and thy desire shall be to thy husband and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. 
In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till, till thou uh, return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Up until then, her name was Adam. Up until then, then the male factor was Adam. Up until then, they were the the blood of God that was pure. One of the definitions of of the name Adam is he's the red man, the blood of God. How many of you know Jesus became the second Adam? The second blood of God. And he had to reverse everything that the first Adam messed up on. And he succeeded. Now, in closing, the last couple of verses, is uh, starting at verse number 22. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us, to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. What did God do? God told him he could eat of every tree of the garden except for one tree. That one tree was the knowledge of good and evil. He never said he couldn't eat of the tree of life. But in order for him to be able to put into motion the redemptive plan, he had to get Adam and Mrs. Adam out of the garden lest they be tempted to eat of the tree of life and they would be in a state of eternal damnation. Men would have still been born. Children would have come forth out of their loins and they would have never, ever been able to have eternal life. Jesus could have never come because there would have been nothing to redeem. Thank God for God. He drave them out of the garden away from the tree, and he put reinforcements to keep them out so he could get his plan. And it took him thousands of years to do it. Now, we're on this side of the redemptive plan. And Jesus has restored everything. He didn't do away with the old covenant. He fulfilled it for us so that we could enjoy his life, the Zoe God life. Righteousness is a plan for your life. You need to embrace it. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, last scripture, it says, He became sin who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. We became. We became because we by faith received what Jesus did. 
so you and I could be set free. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Did you get something out of this tonight? Praise God.